Welcome to The Pursuit of Life, where we share inspirational and action-focused stories to help you live a life of adventure. Proudly presented by Knightswood House. Now, please welcome your host, David Hazelwood. So today on the show, I'm excited to welcome Luca Torini. So Luca is uh, is well known as the person with the record for spending 24 hours on a treadmill and running the furthest distance, and that was part of a an outrun cancer fundraiser. But uh, all round nice guy, all round ultra runner. So welcome to the show, Luca. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. That's Great, mate. Now, what I'm going to do to start this off is, um, you know, it's a little bit of a different question for you, but what did you want to be when you grew up? Ah, that's interesting. Um, I wanted to be an astronaut. When I was growing up, I was obsessed about stars and looking at the stars and, uh, yeah, just wanted to be an astronaut, probably something that most kids want to. Um, yeah, for a, for a long time, until the age of 10, 11, I was determined and then, um, yeah, then things just totally different. Um, wow. And so what's your day job now? So my day job or my day jobs, I got a two or three different hats that I wear every day. So I work in IT and I consult for a bank in, um, in Sydney. I'm working from home three days a week and then two days I'm in the office. I coach, I'm a running coach. Uh, I coach a couple of people for running ultra distances races, and I also run a not-for-profit that you mentioned, Outrun Cancer. So, yeah, my day job is actually three types of jobs, and, uh, yeah, that, that somehow I try to juggle within the week. Well, wow. okay. So uh, that on top of all your uh, your running and training and uh, and family and things like that keeps you fairly busy. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. So unfortunately, there are only 24 hours a day. So yeah, we'll, we'll try to squeeze every every minute I can out of them. Yeah. And so the main uh, main job being in the IT area, I mean, what do you enjoy about that? I, I enjoy the complexity. And there's something that I, I picked up when I was, uh, was a kid working in IT. So I started my career when I was 14. So when I was 14, I, my, my sister uh, opened a computer shop and I basically helped her uh, putting together computers and, and I found there was something that came um, pretty easily for me and I just progressed from there. So I like the, the precision of um, working in IT. So what I do, I look after big environments and big systems and I like the fact that at the end of the day, it's all one and zero. So there is no... A solution that you put together either works or doesn't work. There is no middle ground, and, and I, I really, really like that. And I find that it's a great stimulus for my mind. Okay. And how do you translate that into your running? Because I know given the the sorts of events and the sorts of, um, of challenges you take on, having heard you speak previously, I think there's a, a fair degree of crossover there. Is that, uh, is that a fair comment? Yes, I think there is some sort of crossover. The, the, the sessions that I, I, I prefer doing in terms of running, basically very long runs. So I find that I can quiet my mind after uh, two, three, four hours running. 
and the same thing, I guess, with working IT, I find that when I'm deep into what I'm doing, time passes. And then uh, it's actually a fair comment because I normally start in the morning working on an issue, but it's only between 2, 3 p.m. in the afternoon that I, I'm fully into what I'm doing and I, I do my best uh, my best work. So I guess I got a, a diesel mentally as well as physically. So it takes me a very long time to warm up. Now, you've done some pretty extreme things in terms of your running career. What would your two or three highlights be? Uh, certainly, the, the highlights is the record run that you mentioned in uh, 2017. So, the 24 hours on a treadmill. In that occasion, uh, I ran 261.18 kilometers. And for 18 months, it was the furthest distance worldwide that a person has ever run on a treadmill. I lost the record a couple of months ago by a Norwegian guy. I'm actually pretty happy. He did 265 kilometers. Um, I'm actually pretty happy because I just wanted to look forward to a new challenge, do something different. So I'm very happy that I don't have that title anymore and at the same time that other people are interested in these crazy challenges. So I guess that one is probably my highlight in terms of running challenges and the second one would probably be a run that I did in um, 2014 in uh, Mexico with the Taro Mara. So I don't know if you are, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the book Born to Run. Um, yeah. Basically, um, yeah, that's the story of uh, Cavallo Blanco that um, set up this race in the canyons in uh, Mexico. And I'm happy to say that I, I managed to convince my wife and another friend to come with me to, to Mexico, deep in the canyons to run the race. Unfortunately, it was the year after Caballo Blanco died, so Caballo Blanco wasn't there, but the atmosphere and the event itself was something that I will, I will never, never forget. It took us three days to get down there, took a bus from uh, the border between uh, Mexico and the US, like a nine-seaters bus, and it was um, myself, my wife, Lydia, a friend of mine, parents, and then three Japanese guys, a couple of people from the US, and um, one French guy, one English guy, total random people. The driver was a bit of a character. And um, yeah, it was an adventure just to get down to the canyons with um, the bus that was literally pulled up together uh, using sticky tape. <laughs> and um, yeah, we made it down there. I, I really don't know how we made it down there. And my wife, Lydia, was uh, three months pregnant, so I was, oh. I was freaking out. Then when we got down there, just um, just uh, stepping into a different world, it was um, 400 people, 200 gringos, and 300 local Taromara runners and Mexican runners. And um, yeah, just the, the event was um, was incredible. For the, for the week leading up to the race, we basically went up and ran and walked and hiked the entire course. So I ended up doing more kilometers in the week leading up to the event than I've ever done. <laughs> so we did probably understand. So great tapering. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Great tapering. And after the race, it was a 50-mile race in the, in the canyons. Pretty dark race and it was pretty warm. And um, after the race, three days after, my friend Terence and I decided to go and run the Grand Canyon doing the rim to rim to rim. 
Oh, wow. And, it, and again, another fantastic experience because it was just uh, the two of us. We left in the morning at 3 a.m. from the South Rim and then we ran all the way down, then all the way back up. The North Rim was full of snow. We came down again at the bottom around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. It was 22 degrees. So we went through three seasons in, in one run. So I guess that is also in my top three of uh, the best events that I've ever done. Well, that, I know the, the Grand Canyon run. That's an incredible one. I was over there a couple of years ago and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go for a bit of a run down in the canyon. I forget how far down I got, but it wasn't very far because it's just so steep. Yeah, it is pretty steep. And um, the, the thing that I remember the best is uh, that feeling of uh, after you start running down and you go through the first couple of turns, you just feel the immensity of the canyon under, under you. Yeah. It's just uh, a feeling that is very overwhelming. As I said, we started at 3 a.m. in the morning, so we had the head torch and you couldn't see a thing, but you could feel it. And it was just yeah. uh, just amazing. But yeah, you're right. It's pretty steep, especially on the way back up. It's You feel it. Oh, yeah. Well, my quads were screaming at me after, yeah, after the first two or three steps, I think. But um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So if we come back to the, um, the treadmill challenge, and I know you've done, you've done other things since then as well, but, yeah, that's kind of a really big one. And I know you were planning that for a, for a long time and, um, and having to train for that, obviously, too. What was the biggest challenge in making that happen? I think the biggest challenge was, uh, I guess, at the beginning, a little bit of self-belief in the sense of uh, just committing to going for the record. So I I guess I should um, rewind a little bit. So in 2015, I ran for 24 hours on a treadmill on a staging marking place. Again, this was another uh, fundraiser for Outrun Cancer, for Cancer Council. And in that day, I managed to run 210 kilometers in uh, 24 hours and um, during the night I had uh, really I, I struggled and I had uh, three or four hours where yeah it was a uh, it was a nightmare so the experience although I was happy with um, 210 uh, kilometers in the end those hours in the night were haunting me so I guess uh, in terms of uh, making this event happen I guess there was a that part of self-confidence in saying okay can I actually give it a go again to, to do 24 hours and treadmill and basically improve my distance by more than 50 kilometers? So there was that part of the occasion. And I guess this, the second part was commitment of time that this event would require me, time in terms of uh, not just the training. Training obviously was um, pretty full on but also the time to organize the event itself because the event was held at the fitness expo in uh, Sydney and in order to, I guess, uh, getting the reach and um, raising the funds that we wanted to raise, we needed to create a much bigger event. So there was uh, myself running solo for 24 hours on a treadmill, but also I was lucky enough to get a team or a male team of Twelve runners to run alongside me on a treadmill and also attempt a Guinness World Record. It was a female team of twelve runners also attempting their own uh, Guinness World Record for twenty-four hours on treadmill. And then there was another spare treadmill for people to jump on. 
So the event was pretty big to organize and uh, because we also had to comply with all the rules and regulations from uh, Guinness World Record, there was a lot of logistics to organize around it. So in the end, it took the effort of um, about 100 people to make that event possible. So I think the biggest challenge was certainly time because as you mentioned, I have a young family as well, a full-time job. And so I was trying to make all of that happen. So I guess those two were the biggest challenges. Yeah, wow. I know Lydia, your wife, and uh, yeah, obviously she's um, fantastically supportive of what you do and, yeah, and is obviously a big part of those things. How do you manage to make sure that, that Lydia and the kids are, uh, are looked after as well when you're you know, having to be so single-minded about your pursuit of these goals? I guess this is an area that I need to improve if I <laughs> if I need to be honest because I tend to become obsessed about these events and the things I'm passionate about and I keep uh, I guess I'm I'm trying to learn and something that I realized recently was actually that I was I wasn't spending enough quality time with them and therefore I'm taking some time off as well to just spend time with them and with my wife I guess um for the type of, I guess, running, we as ultra runners do the time that the training requires. And if you are ambitious about your career or other personal goals, it takes a lot from the family, from the partner. And I think sometimes, at least for me, is realizing that it doesn't come for free. So I'm trying to become better also at giving back to the family as well as to my partner, Lydia. So... Say that so far I've been very lucky with the support of of Lydia and the family, and also because the twenty four hours on treadmill and other stuff I do they're not for myself, but they are for a bigger cause that Lydia is totally on board with, which is ultra cancer. But yeah, I'm trying to, I guess, respect her her needs and trying to support her in in other ways where I can, and yeah, with with a compromise of time. Yeah, okay. And I mean, I know you've made some big changes recently and you said you're, uh, you know, you're working from home uh, three days a week now and uh, that must make things somewhat easier. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the, the, so recently I moved from um, Sydney to Lenoxhead, which is uh, near Byron Bay. And I love the area. I'm in love with, um, with this place. But uh, I guess the main reason why we made this choice was about the family. This is a place that Lydia loves. She has uh, a lot of, I guess, connection with uh, with the Byron Bay area and lifestyle. And it was the good thing to do for for our kids. There are some schools that we we want our we want to send our kids to that are uh, based um, up here. So I guess even though obviously commuting back and forth from Sydney every week is not the ideal and and in fact is uh, impacting my ability to run and do other things i guess it was the important the right thing to do for for our family so i felt that was the number one choice to make yeah because i mean it must have been a, a hard decision in in some respects because obviously it's very easy to stay with what you know and what's comfortable um yeah, absolutely yeah i guess yeah, it's I mean, also, living- uh, I guess for us, um, we, as you can tell from my 
for my accent, we are now originally from Australia, so we had created a great community in Sydney and with the move, we are basically starting everything from scratch again. So also that has a big effect. And um, running wise in Sydney, I know a lot of people I can run with people all the time and I know where to run. Yeah, over here is, um, yeah, I'm running by myself and doing uh, everything on my own at the moment, which I'm sure will change, but yeah. Yeah, okay. And the, the decision running-wise also, the decision interesting was taken a few months before I actually competed in, a, in another big race last October, which didn't go as well as I wanted to go. Um, but a race that was uh, very, very important for me. I trained for it for nine months. And I guess, again, making the move to Lennox Ed wasn't really the perfect time to do it if I, if I was to look at it only from a running perspective. Yeah, but there's bigger issues and other people that you need to take into account yeah, as absolutely. well. So, yeah, And I guess, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit. I think we, uh, it's easy to get obsessed with running and, or uh, career or so on. And yeah, sometimes uh, yeah, you just need to look out for others. Yeah, okay. Do you wish you could do more with your money? Knightswood House is a financial advisory firm that specialises in working with successful business professionals who share a passion for endurance sports or other adventures. People often come to us for one of three reasons. One, they aren't where they imagined they'd be financially at this point in their life. Two, they feel frustrated that they are earning good income but aren't doing more with it. And three, they are concerned that they don't have a strategy to make the lifestyle they're working so hard for feasible, both now and in the years ahead. Underlying all of these are nagging doubts about the future and a concern that they aren't maximising the opportunities created by their hard work. We have a nine-step process we take you through, which will simplify your financial affairs and take much of the hassle out of your hands provide you with certainty that the strategy you choose to implement is right for you. And finally, get rid of those nagging doubts and give you confidence that you are on track to achieving the things that are most important to you. Ultimately, we can help you leverage your professional achievements into financial success so you can enjoy a life that is truly remarkable. For more details, head to knightswood.com.au. Okay, back to the show. I'm interested to talk to you about the um, the Spartathlon race because you know, I read your review of it and saw some of the videos and yeah, you know, it was an incredibly difficult race from all that you described. So you know, do you want to just talk to the listeners about what the, the race actually involves just for starters, which is hard enough, but then what you actually went through during it? Yeah, the Spartathlon is an historical event. It's a run from Athens in Greece to Sparta. 246 kilometers and uh, this year was the 35th year that they are holding the event and essentially it follows the steps of uh, Philippides, a Greek messenger that was sent from Athens all the way to Sparta to seek help because the Persians were about to invade Athens or invade Greece and basically the Athenians just needed some help. So they sent this um, skinny guy the messenger to all the way to Athens to to Sparta, sorry, to seek help. 
And then he makes it there. The history says that he, he makes it there in uh, less than 36 hours. And he gets to Sparta and he asks the Spartans for help. And they say, okay, sure, we can come and help you. But it's going to take us 10 days because we don't fight them if it's not the full boon or something. And then um, basically the poor guy runs all the way back to Athens to deliver the message, which turns out to be very important because then the Athenians decided they can't wait for the Spartans and they take the Persians by surprise and they win the war. And I guess this all race started because uh, 35 years ago, uh, there was um, someone from the army from the UK that read the story and said, ah, it's impossible that a man can run 246 kilometers in 36 hours. So he had uh, five people of his platoon to try and, um, uh, and basically run the same distance across the same route that Philippides had taken. And only one person managed to to get to Sparta in 36 hours. Since then, basically, the the race took place. And then now every year there are about 300 runners from all around the world. Yeah, the challenge is to get to Sparta in uh, 36 hours. In terms of the Australian contingent, we were five from Australia this year. And um, I was actually the only one that didn't manage to, to get to Sparta. It was a, a very intense race, to say the least. And we had a, a hurricane during the race that basically hit uh, Greece right in the middle of, of the run. So there were strong winds, there was an incredible amount of rain and yeah, uh, very, very hard conditions for, for everyone. And I guess on my side, I just... Uh, probably wasn't prepared, probably I was a, a little bit overcooked with all these, um, the busy life that I had in the in the months leading up to the event. But essentially, I started having um, issues with my, on my left knee around 50 kilometers in, and then uh, basically run and linked uh, all my way to 202 kilometers. And by then, I was cold to the bone. I was hallucinating. I was vomiting, and I honestly couldn't couldn't go any further. So I, I basically pulled the plug at 202 kilometers, 26 hours into the race. These races affected me and destroyed me in ways that I never thought possible. So three months later, now I'm still kind of recovering from from that race. Obviously physically or mentally? A bit of everything. So physically, for the first six to eight weeks, I was completely disaligned. My back was stiff. I couldn't bend. I couldn't move my back. I now still have a little bit of uh, problems with uh, plantar fasciitis on one foot that I think is, is due to, to that run. And also, maybe I was anemic before the run or maybe just this race has, has taken too much of my energy resources of my body but basically I had trouble sleeping troubles in um, uh, energy levels and I guess mentally it was also getting over these uh, the fact that I I failed in my in my own eyes uh, I spent so much time training and my family obviously had a, this race had an impact on on them because I was training all the time and then not being able to complete the race. So mentally it was a little bit hard as well. So Yeah. 
But I mean, from an outsider's perspective, this sounds like there's a lot of parallels between your first attempt at running on the treadmill for 24 hours and this race, and yet you managed to fight back from that and prepare differently because you knew what you had to go through. Are you tempted to go around for a second bite at the cherry? I know Lydia is going to kill me, but absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. There is, there is no doubt about it. Um, um, yeah, it's I got unfinished business, but as you said, I like to train and think uh, differently if I want to succeed. And I think personally, I think it's not my training in terms of running was great. I never trained, uh, I never run better in my life. I think it was everything else that was in balance. So I guess in my second attempt, I will try to balance my life first and then um, basically, yeah, the training is just a component. It, this type of races, I personally think I'm probably, people might think otherwise, I think these races are 98% uh, mental. So if you're not in a, in a good place and uh, you're not balancing your life, I think, yeah, that there are very little chances that you can just uh, pull through because through 246 kilometers and 36 hours of running, if you have to run through a hurricane or uh, as it happens, that race is typically very, very hot. So it's a hard challenge. So you just need to be prepared and um, mentally, not just physically. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll definitely, but it's definitely... a. You know, on the cards, whether or not Lydia will will come and join me, uh, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll definitely need to go back. Yeah, well, from her write up and her videos on the uh, you know, on the race report, I mean, it sounds like such a romantic trip for her as well. So I'm sure she's chomping at the bit. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's amazing because uh, she. I'm always when I sign up for these crazy things, I'm I'm always telling her no no don't worry this is not going to be hard and you you can come and support if you want but if, if you come you see it's not going to be so hard and as it happens during as it happened during the 24 hours on treadmill she was there all the time and I could have managed to run the distance without her and uh, same thing she basically was there as my support crew together with a, another friend of mine and I honestly, I was ready to pull the plug at 80 kilometers and they managed to basically get me running for another 120 kilometers. And by the end, they were as cooked as I was, if not more. So, so yeah. Oh, wow. It's interesting too that, yeah, a number of times you've, um, you've spoken about balance and, um, yeah, I know that, uh, yeah, these sorts of things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of logistics that goes into to preparing for them. There's a lot of expense as well. How do you ensure that things are balanced and um, that Lydia's and the the family's looked after, and that you know even things as basic as uh, as the spending is uh, is fair for everyone? Yeah, I guess as you know very well, given that I'm a client of yours, I think <laughs> up until a few years ago, Amasamita was kind of winging it so in the sense that there wasn't really a budget set up for it now through your help we actually budget things and we sit down and uh, we just uh, try to work out what is uh, reasonable and what not and this extends beyond uh, just the, the, the single 
running event that as you imagine going and travel all the way to Greece and compete in these big events that last for a week and things like that are very, very expensive, but also taking on activities like uh, Outrun Cancer that basically take away time from my day job. And, and again, up until a few years ago, was kind of winging it. Now I think there is uh, that openness with my partner, to, uh, with Lydia, with my wife, to just uh, sit down and, and, and work out whether it is fair for the family. Great. And thanks for the uh, for the plug. I didn't actually mean to introduce it as crudely as that. But... No, no, no. But, but I, I must admit, as, as, um, as I said uh, as I said before, I think, yeah, there, there was a, beside the, the knowledge transfer on how to manage the, the money, I think your help has been uh, great to break up a taboo. And uh, I think sometimes, or at least for me, I find it very hard to talk about money, but I think with your help as a couple, we can uh, uh, talk about money a bit more freely. Oh, fantastic. Now, and I'm conscious of the time as well, but just given the things that you do, and most people, myself included, look at them and say, I've got no idea how you manage to push your body to those limits. So when you are deep in the red zone and you know, your, your mind and your body screaming at you that um, you know, all it wants to do is stop and just uh, sit down, lie down and you know, not move anymore, how do you get your body to keep moving how do you fight that urge i don't know i think it, it changes every time the one thing i found that works for me or at least uh, when i really hit the bottom and i managed to to continue is when i'm doing it for the right reasons i know it sounds a little bit too up in the air but i've done a lot of uh, crazy runs or crazy things because of outrun cancer because i truly believe that i have the opportunity through my running to raise funds for a cause that i i really care for and at that moment is that when i want to give up i know that i i shouldn't give up because it's not just i'm not running just for myself and i know it sounds very cliche and people might think that this is not the case but uh for me, every time I manage to succeed in, in doing something is because ultimately I feel that I'm not doing it for myself. Um, I'm doing it for the cause or I might be doing it for, uh, for people that believe in me, for my wife, for my family. But the few times I've, I've run just because of wanting to achieve something for myself, most of the time, as I must admit, I fail. <laughs> <laughs> And probably the Spartathlon is a good example. I think the Spartathlon it was is something that I really wanted to do it ultimately for myself. I just wanted to prove something to myself. And I think when I crashed after the second or third time I crashed, uh, I didn't have the energy to carry on. Probably because at stake there was only the opinion I held of myself. So I was very happy. Okay, what's the one thing? that you really wish you were better at, whether that's running or whether that's um, you know, something else? What's the one thing that you really would really love to be better at? I think sometime, I think letting go, uh, letting go of things that don't work or bad ideas. I get stuck in, in my own ways and sometimes instead of cutting the losses and decide, okay, this is enough, I just move on. 
I'll just hang in there because I'm maybe it's, it's fear of missing out or, or just uh, not being able to complete something that I started. So I guess, um, yeah, I, I love to improve my, uh, my letting go. Wow. And yet the thing that allows you to, um, you know, to succeed at some of these ridiculous challenges is the fact that you're like a dog with a bone and you just won't let go. Yeah, exactly. I guess I guess that's a, that's a very very interesting. So, but I guess there is also a downside a lot. It might be useful in running crazy distances, but it might not be uh, useful in um, in other things. Yeah, exactly. As you say, it's uh, it's that balance, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Look, I've I've really enjoyed talking to you today, Luca, and uh, and thank you for sharing that. I'm going to ask you one more question before I let you go, and this one. This is something that uh, I ask every guest, and it's basically to put out a challenge to all the listeners of the podcast. And um, what I want you to think of is what's something that you can challenge the listeners to do over the next week that um, you know will make a diff- You found has made a difference in your life and could make a difference in theirs. So whether that's running related, whether that's um, work, whether that's you know personal life, what's a challenge that you can put out there for people that they can get done this week and uh, and they'll make a difference with? Um, I'd say that probably is to get up 15 minutes earlier than usual and spend those 15 minutes outside with your eyes closed and just listening, uh, listening to everything and nothing at all, and then um, welcome the other important people in your family with a smile on your face. I've practiced that in in the last month and month and a half, and it really does make a big difference for me. Wow. I've never, ever heard of that idea before. That's I'm even just picturing myself sitting out on my back deck in the morning doing that now, and that's an incredible idea. Uh, it's. I think it's very... Uh, you, you feel much better and you, you feel much more in, in control and uh, instead of getting up and just um, uh, hitting the trails or the to-do list. Yeah, wow. Thank you. Um, now, Luca, I know the, um, uh, the write-up of your, uh, your Spartathlon is, uh, I know it was shared on Facebook, but is that on your website as well? And where can people get in contact with you or... Uh, or follow your adventures if they would like to? So people can get in touch at um, lucaturini.com. Uh, that's my personal blog and where I publish uh, all the race reports as well as my thoughts in about ultra running uh, or otherwise on outruncancer.com where basically all our uh, charity events where we organize all our charity. Fantastic. And is the documentary that was made about the treadmill challenge, is that still able to be found yes it is available on the website on lookatorinning.com yeah the, the documentary is up there and um just be ready to shed some tears because <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> intense especially if you're not used to uh ultra runners and um yeah the range of emotions that we go through so it might be a little bit intense it's uh, it's a warts and all journey that one. Having seen that uh, at the the premiere, that was um, yeah, that was certainly something special to see. No, but thank you. We'll put all those links up in the show notes too. So um, so anyone who wants to get in contact with Luca can, and also obviously you can find him on Strava as well. 
and uh, you know you can look and see what uh, what sort of crazy training runs he's doing, like the the lazy fifty six k's he ran the other day, just on a yeah, just on a whim. So uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks very much for your time, Luca, and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. Cheers. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit of Life. To learn more about how Knightswood House can help you live your life of adventure whilst planning your future, visit knightswood.com.au.